You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. Man, Oniro Trello. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Kalisas afternoon, Kalisas evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a special Sunday edition again. Uh, I'm joined by Costa and, of course, our special guest, Costas Villanos, who is a friend of the podcast and has been here quite often. Costa, how are you doing? Well, Costa with a K, how are you doing today? I guess that's me. Uh, I'm doing great, guys. Greetings from Amsterdam. Uh, so good to be back on the show. Thank you so much for the invite. Always uh, always great to talk to you, boys. Costa C, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Not too bad. Uh, I can't wait until Tuesday midnight. I wish we could fast forward a couple of days because uh, this is getting all a bit too much. But we're going to get into transfers and and much more today. Absolutely. We have a... Oh, oh God. I know the way this is going right now. It's it's crazy. I just want to be done with this. I still have more. We're going to have more deep dives to get through after today, too. I just want to know what kind of works ahead of me. But we got a lot to get through today, guys. So as always, we're going to get through some housekeeping first. Uh, after the transfer window shuts, we are going to be trying out for the first time uh, voicemail. So once the transfer window finally shuts, we're going to launch a voicemail link on all of our socials you'll be able to click on it leave us a voicemail tell us how you feel what was your opinion on the window what did you like not like let us know how you felt about it uh national team preview we are going to have one tomorrow it's going to probably be very early 6 a.m eastern which is 12 in the afternoon for central 1300 greek time so keep an eye out for that tomorrow brief Brief, brief, brief preview of the national team. Um, and as always, if you're looking to help out the victims of the wildfire in Greece, AHEPA is still accepting donations. They are still opening their emergency funding so that they can support everybody that has been affected in Greece. And lastly, thank you to our sponsor, Praise International. Praise International is your one-stop shop for all of your international transshipping needs. Whether you're shipping olive oil, packages, cars, or relocating completely, Preus is here to help. Freight forwarding services are available to almost any port around the world, every continent. Just give our friends a call, 410-675-4696, or send them an email to sales at piraeusintl.com. All right, boys, now let's get into it. Nitty gritty. But first thing, we have some breaking news from today. Costa with the C. Hit us with the breaking news for today. So, Dimitris Pinakas is going to be joining Olympiakos after all. Um, you'll remember there was some Greek drama some weeks back. It was supposed to be a done deal. And then Larissa came out with an official communique saying that his father and Pinagas' agents were responsible for a breakdown in negotiations because they were asking too much money. Um, we talked about this a few weeks back, and I don't want to be the guy that said, I told you so, but I told you so. 
this was going to come back. And here we are two days before transfer deadline. And Dimitris Pinakas is expected in Athens tomorrow to sign a four-year deal. Larissa are going to get 1.5 million euros and they will retain 15% of Pinakas's rights. Um, from my side, all I have to say is I wish the boy well. I hope that he succeeds where others failed from Larissa because I honestly cannot think of one player since Vasilis Karapialis that actually was a successful transfer from, from Larissa. Durmisai didn't touch the ball. Christensen didn't come in to become a number one keeper at Olympiacos. Yanis uh, Masuras is like he doesn't exist at Olympiacos. So I hope it's different for, for this kid. He's got a lot of talent. You're absolutely right, Costa. He's a very talented kid. I enjoyed watching him at Larissa. I, I believe he can offer this club something, not just because he has talent, but because he's versatile. And versatility tends to lead to better things for players, especially in Greece and especially Greek players. Anywho, um, the question, though, behind this transfer is, does is this the, the writing on the wall now for Hassan? So is this is this just a transfer for the B team, a project, or does this pot by chance spell out that maybe Hassan's going and he's going to be our third choice? What do you think? Costa K. Costa, you're on mute. I unmute you. Sorry about that, guys. Can you hear me well now that I yep. got the headphones? Okay, sorry about that. Uh, the info I have about Pinakas is that he's going to Libyakos B. He's going to the second team. So I had the exact same question about Hassan because uh, there are some rumors suggesting that uh, teams from Turkey wish to sign him. And he's now officially the third choice behind Yusef El Arabi and Tikinio, which time will tell who's going to be the first choice. Because uh, Tikinio obviously had the injury and Yusef El Arabi is who he is, even though he is not getting any younger. Uh, but based on the info I have, uh, Pinakas is going to the second team as it stands right now. So there's no writing in the wall regarding Hassan's future as it is right now. I believe that was the case even when the rumors first started in towards the beginning of the summer was that he would be for the B team anyway. And with Hassan, the rumors are that Fenerbahce, Riza Spor, and Konyal Spor are the ones that are interested in him. Uh, we spent $2 million on Hassan, if everybody remembers, to bring him here permanently. So if we get anything beyond that, three, four million, five million, I'm very tempted to take that money and run with it. Uh, as for Hassan, there we did a poll earlier uh, asking if people prefer to sell or keep. Last I checked, it was pretty overwhelmingly for sell, almost 60%. I don't know if that has changed, but it seems that most of the audience, at the very least, most fans out there do want him sold. There are some that are okay keeping him if he's okay with being a third choice. Uh, for me, I don't mind him staying, but I think he's getting paid a little bit more than third choice striker money, if I'm not mistaken. So if that's the case, I think we need to adjust the wages. Uh, but what do you guys think about that? So we actually ran a poll on this uh, on two different platforms, and I'm going to read the results. So on Twitter, we asked the question, Basically, should we keep him? And there were three options. First option was stay put. 
Second option was sell him. And third option was Cordela. For those that don't speak Greek, Cordela is like a ribbon. Put a ribbon on a gift and you you, you, you give them away. So 18% on Twitter said stay put. That's 18% said stay put. 51% said sell him. And 31% said Cordela. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we did, we did the same question on Instagram. And surprisingly, what was surprisingly, completely different result here. 51% says stay and 49% says go. So you got some Hassan supporters as well. And oh wow. Most of them, most of them refer back to what he's done for us in the Greek League. Uh, the big goals that he scored for us, particularly last season, if you think about uh, Marseille, PSV, those were big, big goals. The goal against Marseille essentially got us to the Europa League. And then the goal against PSV was the goal that took us to the to the tie against Arsenal. Um, now we have Tiquinho, guys. Uh, I, 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 wanna, I just want to read some stats as well. There were stats from his first season. Hassan scored every 101 minutes. In his second season, it was something like every 93. And in, in last season, it was every 81. I just want to put that out there because that's that's quite impressive, I have to say. Um, my opinion on this is that the players, he's come full circle. He's had three seasons at the club. Uh, I think Tiquinho is, is going to be you know, doing the same, if not better, in terms of goal scoring. And then you've got a player like Binagas and a player like Algasim Bar, who are young players coming through that could play a role. Um, and I'm not sure he's going to stay with that money. Is he is he content to be third choice? I don't think so. Well, we have a couple comments here. Uh, one from George. <laughs> George Kalampopoulos. Hassan Putza. Sparrows, thank God Hassan is leaving. Galapagitos, sell Hassan with a ribbon. Emmanuel Seal, we have Tequino. Uh, we have at least most of the, the chat seems to be. Uh, oh, here we go. Galapagitos. I didn't have the chance to vote, but it would absolutely be the ribbon. Uh, and then you have some others like minded here. Let's have some respect for him. He offered so much. Zafirop 05, all red, white. Hassan is the goat. Uh, look, I'm a little bit of both camps. So it was undeniable, right? The scoring rate that he had the problem with Hassan is he's only as valuable as those goals keep coming because you see when you're not getting the goals from him and he's on the pitch you you lose a man on the field the positioning's poor his hold-up play is poor I swear I've seen high school kids that have better ball movement than he does it's it it's not ugly or I mean it is ugly so it's there's a lot back and forth as a third choice I'm okay with it he can't be a starter. We've seen it. It's not, it doesn't work. Can't be a starter. Second striker, impact sub if you need somebody to roll the dice on. Uh, that's my opinion on him. Gosake, uh, give me your thought. Well, I agree that you can't pay this much money for a striker who's going to be a second choice, especially when you're probably going to have one center forward in your system, not more than that. And uh, Hassan cannot really play in the wings. He's not that kind of a versatile uh, player who can play as a number nine, but also around the wings. 
uh, or maybe as a second striker. He's not that kind of center forward. And I feel like Olympiacos and mainly Greek teams um, and Greek fans, we do lack some patience, which doesn't allow us to bring in players from the academy to take on those roles as third-choice striker, third-choice midfielder, third-choice center-back. Um, and without what, without trying to ruin the agenda, but what, what, what proves my point is that I don't think Olibi, I'm not too sure about Olibiakos' decision to sign Thomas Vatslik after Jose Sa's uh, departure because you already have Christensen who could be a number two and Zolakis is taking, took the opportunity by the hair. And yeah, he's very young. He still needs time, but there is so much talent there. There is so much potential. Uh, he, he did not play like a number 19 in the qualifiers. He played like something much more. We haven't seen a player like him since Dimitris Eleftheropoulos. Hopefully he won't have the ending of Dimitris Eleftheropoulos. This talent cannot be lost. And I do believe that if we, if we had more patience as fans and as, as a football country, maybe Zolaikis would have been the number one. But going back to the attacking thing, attacking option, you can't pay that much money for a third striker. So maybe, and I would much prefer if there was a, an academy product taking this, uh, this position, this place. Or at the very least, Binakas for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have a young, I'd rather the third choice be a young kid. That's just my preference. Yeah. Um, but that's how I look at the whole thing. Well, we're going to see what happens. The deadline's coming up. So whether the move happens or not, it's only a couple It's only a couple days away. <laughs> Some of these comments. Uh, Erythrolevki Mastura, if we sell him for $5 million, it will be like stealing a church. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I definitely see that. Uh, there's another deal, though, that the fans have been going nuts about on social media, and that's the Mano, this Manolas deal. And the question is, well, it's, I guess it's not really a question, but it seems like the deal's dead. There was a whole saga with this deal, starting from us being interested. He was they won, Napoli wanted 15 million, then 10 million, then uh, there was a possible swap deal involved. They wanted Mari. Olympiacos said, "No, we're not interested," but. Uh, it, we would only be interested if it was Manolas plus ten million for Madi. Apparently, we then tried to swap it with swap it with Semedo, and they said absolutely not. Um, and now it seems like there's nothing going on. It's Manolas is staying in Italy, according to Italian papers. But we've been hearing that there's still an offer for Madi from Napoli coming. So I really wanted your thoughts on this, um, Costa K. Go ahead. What, what? Tell us what you think about this. What are you hearing? Uh, what's your take on this situation? Well, first of all, I want to go on record again and say that I don't get Olympiacos' transfer policy this summer because uh, it was obvious since the very beginning of last of last season, the very early stages of last season, that Olympiacos are seriously struggling struggling at fullback. Uh, around eight players had been signed, and not a single one of them. Could replace Omar or Timikas, and I, I I thought that the Greek Cup final would have been a nice cold shower for Olympiacos to get their head straight and understand that they're not invincible and there could be problems this coming season, but instead they prioritized on positions that proven to not be of dire need like striker, midfielder, goalkeeper. I I covered the whole goalkeeping thing beforehand, uh, wingers. Yes, those are important positions. I'm not going to deny it, but they left fullbacks for last. 
I'm going to get that to that later. So now we're talking center backs. And Olympiacos have how many center backs right now? They have six center backs that could be used, including Kalogeropoulos. I think it's six. And now here comes the Manolas deal, which I guess if you sell one or two center backs, it makes sense. But it's still a lot of money. Uh, I, I had info that talks were going really well between the two sides. Manolas obviously really wants to come back to Olympiacos. And uh, based on what I understand is he wants to come back to Greece. So it's not a football matter. It's a personal matter. I mean, can you guys, I mean, I've, I've lived 11 years of my life abroad. Can you imagine myself one day waking up and saying, I want to go back to Greece? Very possible. You know, some at some point you're going to want to go back home. So it was a personal matter for Manolas to go back home. Uh, as for as for the, 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 the as for the football side of things, Olympiacos were very serious about this, and I th- and based on what I know, they still are. But uh, as Costas said it very eloquently a while ago, Aurelio De Laurentiis is not a beep, and he's a very tough negotiator, as he has shown over the years with uh, Kalidou Koulibaly. He would not sell him on the on the cheap. He would not go under. He would not uh, give any price uh, any price cuts. But Manolas is not a dream. Manolas will return to Olympiacos at some point. He said it before. Olympiacos have said it before. It is common knowledge in Greece. If it doesn't happen this summer, which I don't, which it, it seems like it might not, and it would make more sense if it didn't, and Olympiacos spent on another fullback, because that's where they really need to strengthen. Uh, then next summer, you know, we, we could be back in this big time. Well, I think. Part of the context with which we thought it was believable was back when we thought we were selling not just Semedo, who is out the door one way or another, but Cisse as well. You sell both of them. Okay, then it makes sense. But we had asked this question. Costa brought it up last Sunday. And it was like, you know, we're willing to spend almost $10 million, you know, whether money's coming in and out or not, or whatever that value is, we'll say. For a center back with which we're already quite deep in, even with our, our young players, but we weren't willing to spend a couple of million to secure a solid fullback option, or at least at the very least secure a solid depth option at fullback. And uh, Costa, you are so right about how weird this transfer policy is, because I'm going to get into that as well as part of the deep dive we're doing. There's just been some crazy things happening. Uh, and the Manola deal is part of it. And one of the next players we're going to bring up is kind of part of that as well. Uh, Costa C, what's your final take on this Manolas thing? I don't think it's going to happen, period. Um, I think we're more likely to see Dimitri Siovas come in on deadline day. As far as I'm aware, he hasn't left Wesker. And I don't believe that Dimitri Siovas is going to be playing Segunda División in Spain next year. Um, is rumored to have some interest from Rayo Vallecano, some other clubs that are going to be fighting for relegation in uh, in in Primera. So I think something like that is more likely to happen. I just cannot see for the life of me Costas Manolas coming back this summer. I think it might happen next summer. If it doesn't happen next summer, it will happen the summer afterwards. And yeah, Ari, you brought up some of the points already um, on transfer policy. I don't get why we why we would pay so much so much money when we need to spend it somewhere else. So it was a dream for this summer. 
think we spent an awful lot of time focusing on that. It's been almost a month it's been in the media. It's kept us busy, but I don't think it's happening. Yeah. Now, the next player that also kind of came out of nowhere is Mamadou Kane from Nefji Baku. Uh, that kind of came together a bit last minute. It's a, It was a 300,000 euro fee. Uh, they retained a 20% sell on. He's on a four plus one year contract. Uh, we will be doing a deep dive on him, not this one, because we already have one. So that'll be for next Sunday. Um, and this was another strange, strange signing. Not because, not because he's a bad player per se. Uh, again, we haven't done a full deep dive. The the stuff that we have looked at that we have, it's not, it's not all, it's not bad. It's not awful. But the question is, this is clear. He seems to be another six, right? And we have a lot of these on the roster as it is. And we need a replacement if, you know, God forbid he does leave, knock on wood, which is Mahdi. And Mahdi's our most creative, deep-lying midfield that we have. Not to take anything away from guys like Bukhalakis or Jan Envia, who both are very good in their own rights and both serve a function on this team. But neither one of them has the ball movement capability, the vision, the creativity, the ability to get forward that Mahdi does. And Kunde, despite Kunde's ability to get the ball forward, he doesn't have the vision that Mahdi does either. Kunde's another six-ish as well. More Guillerme-esque, I'll, I'll say, than, than Mahdi, if we have to pick one or the other. So this is another odd one for me. Now, it's low risk. It's 300K. He's the same age as Mahdi. But what what's going to happen to Sorlis or, or Adruzos for that matter, who is no longer probably going to be depth for us since we're looking at another right back as well? What 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 do you guys make of this, uh, Costa C? We'll start we'll start with you. Um, it was completely out of left field. I totally agree with you. I think Vasilis Urlis had a really good preseason. Actually, when we played against Nefci, he played in both games and he matched up against Mamadou Kane. And I thought he was one of the best players on the pitch. Surlis, not Kane, just to be clear. Right. Um, so um, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed in a sense that we seem to be blocking Surlis's path into the first team or to get chances at least. Now, it is being said that he might not be staying. He might be loaned back to Baku. That's what we've been hearing. But it's just, it's a bit of a head-scratcher. You start to ask questions. You start thinking, oh, does it mean that Madi Kamara is leaving? Um, they don't play in the same position. They don't do the same things. You said it already. So it was a bit of a, it was a, bit of a head-scratcher for me. Kind of smells a little bit like the, who was the 27-year-old the player we bought from I think it was Larissa and loaned back to them for two years last what summer was that? Oh, last summer that was last summer I forget I'll find the name later on I'm forgetting but please it was do. a similar please deal please uh do. and it we were all like what what is going on with this or maybe it was from Larissa to somebody I don't remember exactly the context it was just one of those head scratchers um anyway uh you know we'll see look I it's a cheap deal and if he ends up turning good for us, we'll look back and say, hey, this was a great move by the club. But when we have big priorities, 
that we need to address the fullback section and we see all these other deals getting done it gets kind of frustrating there was another deal done as well guys <laughs> we brought in first we get that good midnight special and uh or sorry it wasn't um it wasn't the good midnight special who who brought up that it was uh uh was it nicola copolos that said we're getting a young project piece from italy, from italy. you're talking about Kinque. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Etienne Yute Kingue from the Inter Milan Academy. Uh, we heard about this. We we got him, I think it was 350,000 yeah. euro for him with uh, and Inter retains 25% player rights. He looks like a decent, solid center back as well. He hasn't really played in the top flight, but this is another, this is another one of those project players. And a lot of people got upset on social media as well. They're like, wait a minute, you're telling us Manolas, you bring this kid in. We have to address all these other things. And we have all these other random signings coming in. And a lot of people were getting triggered with some of the things that were happening pre-Martins when we were getting linked with a lot of big players. But then we started bringing in a bunch of random people closer, closer to the deadline. I don't think this kid's signing has any bearing on what's going to happen for the center back area. And he's a young kid. Hopefully he turns good for us. But I, but again, the same thing with Kane. I understand the frustration that people have. Now, Costa with the K, what, what, what do you make of this? Are, uh, are you getting a little frustrated because the, the danger areas haven't necessarily been addressed? Uh, or are you okay seeing these going along with what's happening? I mean, as I said, I don't get Olympiacos's transfer window this summer. We have seen <laughs> we have seen better transfer windows from Olympiacos, and we have seen much, much worse transfer windows than this. Um, if I could just go back, delve back into the midfield question just very quickly. Uh, Olympiacos had five midfielders last season, so with Kane's inclusion right now, Olympiacos have five midfielders again. So maybe that was the answer. Maybe just trying to 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 replace Thiago Silva and Pepe's uh, the, the departures once more. Uh, but then again, like, Olympiacos cannot lose Madi Camara as things stand because there's no time to bring someone as good as him. Kunde, based in reports in Greece, was supposed to be Camara's replacement, but they're not, not seeing it. Yeah, right not now. Not even close. As yeah. for... I- yeah, oh, sorry, not even close. No, no, you're right. It was not, even <laughs> in the deep dive, I said the same thing. Not, it was not <laughs> close to a body. Uh, now, as for Kinkwe, this should put the whole centre-back thing to sleep. Uh, Kinkwe is a modesto uh, pick, which gives Olympiacos fans reasons to hope for something better in the future because Modesto has brought in a lot of gems, especially uh, from the African continent. Uh, but something needs to be done immediately with the fullback position. And I do not understand why it was left for the last minute. Uh, I'll say that Karbovnik is a good transfer, is a very good transfer, although very short-term, extremely short-term, and Brighton are not well known for selling young and aspiring talent before giving them an actual chance at the Amex. That's probably not going to happen. Olympiacos will have to go really hard for him next season if he does deliver uh, and now we're hearing about Frederic Gilbert or Gilbert. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing him correctly. Who's for the, for, who's the, for, for the position of right back? Now the way this, the way I understand it, based on what I'm hearing, is that Kenny Lala may not continue at Olympiacos. Kenny Lala might be sold. So that means 
uh, there's going to be probably, if Gilbert arrives, then you're looking at Gilbert and Andruzzos covering the right back uh, position. And then Oleg and uh, Karbovnik, who can play both wings, will cover left. But Gilbert can also play at left back. So th- I, th- I think that's the strategy that's going on with Olympiacos right now. That's why we're hearing about the, about a right back because Lala might be on his way out and Andruzzos might become the backup solution and Oleg might become the backup at left. So, that, so that's how it seems it's going. Yeah, it does. It does seem the more Lala plays, the more a lot of us think he's one of those guys that Marinaki singled out as playing indifferent on the field, so to speak. Um, yeah, with regards to the right back rumors, we also heard it was Piton was another rumor. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if that one holds as much clout. I I have been very patient with Lala myself. I think I've probably been the most patient of those of us on the podcast. And he's starting to wear my my patience a little bit thin, uh, especially because in the last game, you know, normally it's his defensive stuff. It's like, all right, well, we know that he can defend quite well. Offensively is like he doesn't seem to get forward or push far enough. But in the last game, both were quite poor. So it's getting a little bit frustrated for me in that respect. And with those rumors, if he does move on, he does. Oh, on one hand, I'm happy on is still going to play, uh, which I'm excited about, but Costa C what's your, what's your take on this right back situation and Kingway? Um, Kingway, another one that was just a surprise out of nowhere. Um, I watched a little bit of tape. It looks like the guy can play, huh? like he's, Got good technique. He's confident in playing some 20, 30 yard balls across the field. Uh, he's 196, good with the ball at his feet, can pass it well. He looked like he played on the right side of a of a three man defense as well, from what I saw a little bit on the tape. But I think it's one that we, um, I think it might not take long for him to get some some first team appearances. He's He's got the physical presence, and yeah, I think it could be a gem. I think uh, that's what that's what Costa said. Sinonomate. I think it's another gem that we've picked up here. Now, with the wing backs, I'm so confused. I'm so confused with what's going on. We've known since Costa Timigas left that we need a quality left back. We bought Jose Holebas last summer and Ruben Vinagre let's not talk about that so we didn't have a left back we had Holebas respect Holebas 36 37 years old played like a teenager gave everything he had so much respect for him but we've known again that we need to sign a left back we bought Rabchuk a 23 year old 22 years old at the time prospects with potential that played for a defensive team in Portugal. I'm a fan of Oleg, but he needs competition. If you don't have competition, you can't improve. Oleg, for me, needs to stay at the training pitch longer, work on his crossing. I I still believe in him. I still believe he can improve. Now, what's going through the manager's head? Is it a matter of, I don't want to bring in a player like Sergio Escudero, who's a free agent, won the Europa League with Seville, been there for years, captain Seville, I think, for one year. But he doesn't want to bring in a player like that because he doesn't want to just sandwich him on top of Rebchuk. 
And all the names that we've been hearing for the fullback positions are uh, this Piton guy. He's a 20, year, 20 years of age Brazilian playing for Corinthians. Um, Muasa from Rennes, 24 years of age. So he's looking to have somebody around the same age compete with Oleg. Um, but now we've brought in Karbovnik. And when we signed Karbovnik, the question everyone had was, all right, where's this kid going to play? And the Greek media started saying, oh, we bought him for right back. Two days later, actually, its situation's changed. He's going to be the left back. And now we're looking for a right back. I don't know what's going on. I, 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 I'm, I'm really lost. I'm really lost. And I want to just talk about something Costa said, which was the transfer policy. Like, you don't get it. I have to say that up until a couple of days ago, I thought that the players, like the level of the players that we've signed has been one of the highest that I've seen up until now. Tiquinho was a free agent. If you have somebody like Martins that's coached him before, that knows him, you don't, you can't, you can't bring a player like Tiquinho to Greece. For me, it's a top signing and I'm sure we're going to see it on the pitch. Kunde even, the guy's played Bundesliga, he's played in Spain. Like All the names that we've brought in, I think they're, they're of a higher standard, higher quality. On Yakuru, um, the other guy we just signed, Ronnie Lopez, they're good players. Let's see on the pitch what they give, but as names, they're, they're of a higher standard. Now, all of a sudden, it, it's, I don't want to say it because there's a couple of days left, but it just seems like it's going to shit. Are you not still, pleased with Karbovnik? I, I am pleased with Karbovnik, but I think Karbovnik's pot real potential lies somewhere else. Not and a that's something we'll yeah, and that's something we'll get into in the deep dive in about uh, about thirty seconds. But yes, uh, there's a lot of interesting things about Karbovnik. Can I just finish uh, on that, that point? Yeah. Let me just finish that point because if you if you were going to tell me that Karbovnik is going to be the right back. And we're going to bring in a quality left back. I'm happy. But all of this now, all of this confusion, I'm lost. And I'm not confident. I'm not confident in what's going on. For me, it's more so because uh, we did address areas of concern. We said we need another striker. We got another striker. We, you know, with the possibility of us losing some of the midfield pieces, we brought in Kunde. Uh, but then the major area of concern was, was still fullback. It's an area of concern that's been one since we sold both Tsimikas and Omar. So for me, first and foremost, I wanted that addressed. I wanted either depth in those positions because I still I still had faith in both Lala and Oleg. At the very least, depth, if not somebody that could fight for the starting position. And we were getting a lot of interesting names. Part of me believes that when we lost the Champions League, you know, when we lost to Ludogorets, I think that the... Maybe some of the prospects there probably didn't happen. We also heard that Martins did not want Escudero. So whether or not that's true is a different story. But uh, the fullback situation, the 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 transfer that the transfers that have been going on have been very interesting at the very least for me. And I've been sort of confused. And then maybe with the deep dive after you guys see what I saw in Karbovnik, you might not question the potential of the player itself but maybe question what we're doing with respect to his potential. 
Costa K, you, I know you had another couple thoughts on that too before we move on to the deep dive. Oh no, I mean, uh, I feel like Costa's uh, uh, concerns are very legit. As I said, I do not understand why the fullback position is left so late, and I yeah. do agree with you that the Champions League uh, fiasco played a part and uh, affected Olympiakos' transfer uh, activity. Uh, but then again, they were still, they didn't seem very keen on getting this sorted as soon as possible because that's when we all started hearing about Costas Manolas, which came out of nowhere. And like, I guess it'd be great for Olympiakos to have Manolas back, but they don't need the center back. They have so many center backs available right now. I feel like a lot is going, Olympiakos' season is going to depend a lot on how they finish the transfer window. If Madi Camara leaves, and the fullback position still remains a problem, then Olympiacos, I feel like, are going to be facing a relatively difficult season. But if the fullback position is sorted, ultimately sorted one way or another, and Madika Mara stays, then uh, Olympiacos could have a rather good season, I dare say, in this podcast. Question. Both of you. I'll, I'll give my piece as well. Do you think Madi Kamara is staying? Ari. <laughs> what, what I think and what I hope are two different things. <laughs> I I hope he stays personally, but I honestly I I think he's gone, man. I honestly do. The maybe I'm reading too much into seeing him like all the stuff from Napoli. Maybe I'm reading too much into him saying that it's too difficult to be out of Champions League. Maybe I'm reading too much into his comments about winning everything he could in in Greece. I think he's gone. I think we are lucky to have had him for as long as we did. And I think he wants out. And I I don't like keeping players when they want out because sometimes you see that affect their play on the field. And I'd rather not that affect play and then cohesion of the team. That's where I'm at. It's a very difficult question. I think that Ari uh, made some really good points. Uh, other than that, I mean, there's still issues in all the big leagues and all the big teams, a big financial issue because of the coronavirus crisis. And uh, Vigelis Marinakis himself is quite a negotiator when it comes to selling uh, one of his, some of his best talent to the big teams. Smart Money says he's going to leave by transfer deadline, but I can't see anyone else other than Napoli being able to take him in. And if Madika Mara leaves without Manolas coming the other way, then that's going to cause a lot of questions in regards to how Libyakos uh, handled this entire situation. It's going to create that's going to create questions uh, in regards to Vigelis Marinakis and the Olympiacos uh, hierarchy. It's it's a very difficult question to answer because, as I said, on one hand, he needs to leave for his for his good. You know, it, it's it, it's starting to feel like an hour never like Jose Sa to Wolves. Uh, but then again, he is going to get Europa League football, which is not as great as Champions League, but still, he's going to be in Europe. And I don't think he's exactly unhappy at Olympiacos because he does have, you know, this. there is this African connection at Olympiacos. He does have uh, Ba and Cissé. And uh, it's very Kamara. difficult. Kamara. 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 Yeah, there is, there is quite an African uh, connection there. Uh Smart money says yes, he's gonna leave, but I can't see anyone other than Napoli taking him. And if not, and if Madika Mara leaves without Manolas coming the other way or not, or or not, not for a significant fee, then 
I don't get that. I don't get, but we, we've talked about how I don't get this transfer window. Yeah, that's very clear. Well, without further, further ado, we did promise everybody a deep dive on Karbovnik. We watched a ton of tape on him um, and we collected some stats and we've got a lot to tell you guys about him. Uh, he is, I'll start off saying that this is probably the most fun deep dive I've gotten to do this summer. Uh, it, he's, he was quite fun to watch, uh, getting started as we always do with his physical characteristics. Um, he is about five, eight, five foot, 874 centimeters tall, weighing in at 71 kilos or 156 pounds. So he is a small, he's a small guy and a very thin guy. Uh, I hope while he's in Greece, somebody puts him on the souvlaki diet. We need to put some weight on him. He is this poor kid can get blown away with the wind. He's played all of the following positions in the last, we'll say two seasons or uh, the last season and a half. He's played left back, right back, left center, mid, right center, mid attacking mid right back. Uh, oh, I already said right back, left defensive mid attacking mid left wing and right wing. He has quite literally played every position on the field, even defensive versus offensive, except for striker. I did not see him play center forward, but he's played literally everywhere. General characteristics, uh, he is tactically astute. He is positionally aware. You can see that he's very disciplined, which is nice to see in, from somebody in such a young age. Uh, and what I mean by that is when you see his team with the ball at their feet, you see him go into space. He spreads out quite quickly, but not just for the sake of getting into space. He seems to be looking around where the players are in front of him to find where where the ball is going to be. If you guys remember the interview we did with Philip Vonk, Philip Vonk's thing is when he talks to his players is don't just move to, for the sake of moving. Anticipate where the ball is going. So very, very interesting to see that. Uh, when he does play on the wing, he overlaps quite frequently, just like Adruzos uh, and Oleg do. So you like to see that. We need that en energy. On the left side of the field, he prefers to cut in versus going to the byline and crossing. Remember, he's right-footed. So crossing with his left foot, he's confident. He uses it. The power isn't quite there, so his crosses are about as good as most of Oleg's, we'll say, with his left foot. Uh, but he does have the preference to cut inside. Um, very high tempo, runs a lot, uh, very nice close control, uh, well above average dribbling ability, low center of gravity, um, very, 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 very nice to see. Uh, I mean, this kid really can go in and out of uh, defenders, just a couple quick touches to cut in, looks for spaces, will take spaces in between players, even if it's only a couple of meters of space. Uh, he'll faint left, cut right in, couple quick touches. It's quite lovely to watch. Um, defensively, he's, he's, he's solid closing players down it, with the context that if he gets his positioning right, then he can close the players down very well. But if it's a physical battle and he's getting into a tussle with a player, you know, on a one-on-one -on -one capacity, he's going to lose almost every time. This kid needs meat on his bones. He needs muscle. Uh, and this is probably why he didn't play 
much for Brighton, probably why he didn't play in England. He needs to be more physical. He is not. I mean, the poor kid, it's just like I felt so bad watching him when he was, you know, either somebody was bodying up on him or he was bodying up on somebody. He's getting tossed around like a rag doll. So that is something to be mindful of. He's terrible in the air. Uh, not, not terrible that he doesn't win anything, but if he does win it, it's because of his positioning. Uh, and when it comes to defensive set pieces, he's not winning anything on defensive set pieces in our zone because he's not physical enough to beat a lot of the men. He, he relies on his ability to position and anticipate where the ball is going to be to win. And that's the only way he wins it. If there's any physical contest, he's usually going to lose in, in those scenarios. So, and I, it, I, to me, I think he's adapted because of his lack of physical stature, we'll say, uh, to adjust for that. Um, so, but all in all, I mean, he doesn't get caught as far forward as Adrutos does. So he's very good about, you know, moving up when he needs space, when he's playing as a right back or a left back for that matter. When he plays as a right back, you'll see him cross more. He still will cut in, even though it's with his left foot. He'll still take shots, even though it's with his left foot. He gets heavily involved in buildup. Any position he plays in. Think of like Rafinha when we, he was with us on the right side. He was heavily involved. He, was, he had some of the most touches on our team when he played. Now, he didn't overlap very much, but he was very heavily involved in interplay. And this kid loves to be involved. Doesn't matter where on the pitch he is. He will try to get uh, more and more involved if possible, uh, something you like to see. In terms of some statistics, in the last year and a half, he played a total of 4,000 minutes, uh, no goals, six assists, uh, XG of 1.4. So he does get shots, uh, could use a little bit more power on them. His uh, expected assist is 6.08. He had seven second assists, so seven passes that led to the assist for the goal. Uh, 29 total shots. 44 shot assists. So these are passes that led to a shot, but that they didn't go in. So that's an interestingly high volume, uh, which we like to see. So it, for me, it's an indicator that he's creating the opportunities, obviously, that perhaps individuals aren't executing on them. Like to see that. Uh, averaging about four progressive runs per game, which is pretty high. Uh, that's where Omar and Simikas used to be, so we like to see that. Crossing volume is quite low, but this statistic is misleading simply because he doesn't always play as a wingback. In fact, the first half of the season last year, he pretty much only played as a midfielder for Leia Warsaw. So all in all, uh, oh, I forgot the defensive statistics. So even though I brought up that he's quite weak, uh, closing players down and in the air, his win weight win rate for defensive duels is 62%. So he's quite good at recognizing, anticipating the ball where it's supposed to be. Aerial duels, his win rate's about 34%. And that's all together. His win rate as a defender and on set pieces is about 10%. It's really bad. Um, so all in all, I love I like the signing. I don't want you guys to think that I'm being negative about the signing because he is a very talented player. 240 one-on-one -on -one dribble attempts. He's won about 55% of them, averaging six per game. He's not scared to take anybody on. Love to see it. He has lovely control. My problem is when I watch this tape, the value I see in him is a midfielder. He's got vision, guys. If you had told me, 
including him with the players available, who could replace Mari the best? It's not Kunde. It's not Mvila. It's not Bukalikis. It's not Sorlis. It is this kid. The stuff I watched, Peter watched some of this with me, guys. Some of the stuff he did was magical. Now, his execution was off here and there, but the looks are there. The vision is there. So the fact that I'm seeing a player of this caliber who maybe his defensive ability, at least when set pieces are concerned, is questionable. I'm confused. And again, it's not that he's a bad defender. I told you in the run of play, his he knows what he's doing. His positioning is good. He's just a small guy. And if we're looking for somebody to not only fit in there, do what we need going forward, but be a defensive master for us, our weakness has been set pieces on this team for the better part of a year. How the hell can we have somebody playing in this position that can't defend set pieces? And again, I don't want to take anything away because his ability is fantastic, but I don't get why we're going to be wasting his potential at left back because this kid has so much ability and is a freaking maestro for the midfield. I just feel like we're wasting him. But again, all in all, would I do this loan? Yeah, of course, 100%. Are we going to pay this rumored $8 million buyout if it even exists? I doubt it. I, I just don't understand wh- why we're going to be wasting him on the left back. Uh, but that that's just me. That's what we've come up with for, for this deep dive. Lovely player. Just a couple of questions in terms of the context with what we brought him in for. Thank you. Well, I just wanted to add a few things that I'm pretty sure you heard from uh, my colleague and very good friend, Richie Mills. You had him on the, on the show. I got to talk to him as well. Uh, Karbovnik is also seen as a fullback at Brighton. And the reason why he didn't play so much is A, his age, B, his inexperience, and C, the fact that he couldn't really unseat the likes of Tarek Lamptey, Jul Veltman, or Soli March, and they're bringing in Kukureya now, so a lot of competition for him over there, yeah. so alone makes absolute sense for him. Uh, but Brighton are really, really believe in him, the fans really yeah. believe in him, and the Premier League fans are so difficult to win over. They yeah. are so cynical. You, It takes a lot to win them over. They truly believe in him which is why it's going to be extremely difficult for Olympiacos to buy him next season if he does deliver the season. Even if they pay 8 million euros, it's probably not going to cut it because it's not in Brighton's culture to sell talented and aspiring talents without giving them a chance first. So, And uh, you, said it, you said it best about midfield. One of his former coaches in Poland uh, said that uh, he's such a good midfielder, you could end up becoming the new Marco Verratti. Obviously, that's what the manager in Poland said. That's not what I'm saying. So you're absolutely right. There is something in midfield there for Karbovnik, and it raises questions about him being used as a fullback. Well, Costa, I spoke to a, I spoke to a journalist in Poland as well. Uh, his name is Bartos Bartosik. He writes, he writes a lot on a lot of political and social affairs, but he also uh, writes pieces for Lega Warsaw. He's a fanatic. And he mentioned this to me as well. I mean, it's funny. You don't always get a lot of, uh, we'll say, parallel thought or agreement sometimes with different pundits and different people's opinions. Everybody's was pretty much the same. And this guy's, this guy said, look, the first half of last season, 
he played as a midfield and everybody initially they were calling him like, Oh, the next Marcelo or whatever. And he's like, now everyone's like, forget that. What he did in midfield was amazing in Poland. Now, uh, Poland is of course it's, you can rightfully say it's a weaker league. Maybe some things he did, maybe would be a little bit more difficult to execute in a, in a tougher league. Um, I don't think it's that much of a jump, honestly, for with Poland and Greece, but obviously in the Premier League, it's a different animal. Um, it's a whole different animal for there. But th- when I, I, I just say, when I watched it, it just, it, it started to irritate me more because in the beginning, I was like, okay, maybe a Spinazzola style left back, that would be really cool to have for this team. An extra added offensive threat. But the more I watched and the more I saw how he was just, it was almost like I, I was like talking to myself, like this is like a Beethoven. This is a composer that is just doing wonderful things. He links almost flawlessly with so many players around him and he was making so many things happen. Every time I see him play left back, I'm going to feel guilty that he's being wasted there because of what I saw. And, and it's the only time this has happened to me so far since we started this podcast. I have never once had this where I watched a player play and thought, mm. You know, I think he's better somewhere else. This has never happened to me before. And I'm watching this player and it's just, he has so much talent. And the more I watch also, the less I believe Brighton's ever going to be open to sell him. I think they would be fools because this kid is really good. Okay, so is there a loan option or not? (laughs) I don't get it. Like the Brits are saying, Mm, unlikely. Godzi talk- swears. Godzi swears that there's a yeah, buy option. Do, yeah, but do you know who else swears? Like, look, they said the same. I, I don't trust Greek. Most Greek journalists, not, right. not all of them. Most Greek journalists, because when Kevin Miralas came back, latest example, they said that he came with a loan and obligation to buy at the end of the season, and we all remember how that ended up. Yeah, ripping up the contract terminating the loan early and going back back to Everton and then ending up in Turkey. Anyway, um, honestly, the fr- from what you're saying and everything that you hear left, right and centre, I mean, people have compared this kid to Ngalo Kante and, and Marco Verratti was mentioned earlier. It's no, it's no coincidence. And at the same time, we're now hearing from the Greek press that we're looking at signing two players by the end of the window, both fullbacks. So I, the more I listen to this, the more I think Madi is going at the end of, at the end of the window. And this, this signing is the replacement in the midfield. And I agree with you, Ari. I mean, I have, I don't know the kid. I've never seen him play live. I've never even watched 90 minutes of him. But I agree. I, I have a tendency to agree with you. I think this kid's talent is completely wasted on the wing. But he, uh, there, as far as I know, he there is a buyout clause for Karbovnik. But as I said, Brighton are very unlikely to uh, to sell because that's their culture, especially if he delivers at Olympiacos. But- they're not gonna. They're, but, it's it's gonna be very difficult. But if there's an option, it's an option. So eight, it's it's eight million, and they have to accept it, don't they? It's a, uh, it's a, it's, but, it's an option, and they say if you want to buy him, you have to pay yeah. this and trigger a clause. 
That, so, yeah, but there's a lot, a lot in between. I mean, the player has to agree, the manager sure. has to agree. They, Brighton themselves, they could up the ante by telling, "Listen, you're going to be the starter in the Premier League next season sure. if you stay with us." So then, you know, that's going to give him an extra advantage to go back to Brighton. It's going to be very difficult for Olympiacos. as right. I said, this sounds like a short-term option, regardless. Yeah. The, now, here's the thing. Let's say he does end up playing center midfield, and as I, that's where his potential is, that's where I would want him to be. Then what irritates me further is now we just added somebody that appears to be above Sorlis in the pecking order. And Sorlis deserves a chance. He had a lovely preseason, a lovely summer. I want to see him get a chance with this team. I want to see him play, especially if Madi leaves. He deserves his chance. He's earned it. And again, not that not that I wouldn't want – I don't want it to sound like, oh, I, I think Karbovnik's better in the midfield, but I don't want him to play. I see our Greek players getting shafted a lot here. And that's not the most important thing to me, but it is important in some respect because we are a Greek team. And I do want Greek uh, to see our Greek players play, especially the ones that deserve it. And so Elise is one that deserves it. And he deserves a chance. I don't want to see him be just another Greek talent that we put by the wayside and get screwed. But that's that's my that's my frustrations and my annoyances that I foreshadowed earlier on when we brought this up. But I would be personally a lot more happy if this kid does play in the midfielder because then I feel like we're getting his full potential. And we have a surprise appearance from oh, yeah. from Lava here. <laughs> I couldn't stay away. I couldn't stay away. I just heard this talk about Kravovnik and well, there's two days it? left. How, how, did, how did you pronounce that? Say that again. Kravovnik. Didn't I say Kravovnik? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. There you go. There you go. Anyway, I just came in to say Karbov. Rebchuk. Oleg's last name. Rebchuk. 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 Oleg. Napuma. Anyway, I had to come in and I had to say very excited for Krabovnik, uh, Mikal, and damn right it is, Aerodromio, all red, white. I, I love this man. Um, yeah, no, no, I just wanted to jump in and listen. Just quick, Adi, a player could be from goddamn Mars and they could play in our 11. I don't care if someone's Greek, if they're more whatever from the moon, if our team was all like Ghanaian internationals, I don't care if we win. I don't care. I'm one of those people. So that's just, no, but you do want to get your own uh, homemade, your your own talent in there. We're we're patient. We're impatient. You're you're talking, you're talking to somebody that would rather see Christensen play in goal than Zolaki. So just, you know, let's say Christensen's world class. (laughs) (laughs) Christensen would be the number one at Nottingham Forest. I'm putting it out there. About to get relegated. <laughs> but we are anyway. very impatient. It's just it's just we, Greek, yeah, Greek impatience, complete Greek impatience. Yep. You're you're one hundred percent right about that. There's a ton yeah. of impatience. And it it's it let it's gonna end up leading to us ruining Tolakis. I just see it happening. I see it happening. And I'm super excited about that kid. And I see us ruining him because people are so blaming everything on him. Uh, if I may, if I may, uh, Thomas Watzlik is here, and that's great for Olympiakos because he's a very good goalkeeper. Um, but if 
but he has had a history with injuries. So yes. if hopefully it's not going to continue this year. I never hope for, hoped such a thing for any player in the world. But if it does, then maybe that's the way Jolikis breaks into the team. Maybe maybe Jolike, maybe there is faith in him. I don't know. I don't I, know. I hope so. I hope so. But there is a comment here I want to address real quick that Costa just put up, I think. Uh, Solis is inexperienced. We can't depend on him, Adi. This is from Vascor. I'm not saying we need to depend on him. And yes, you're right. He, of course, he's inexperienced. He just came out of the academy. He's been training with the first team. What is it? Two years now? Three years? So, but I'm not saying he needs to be our core midfielder. Absolutely not. I, I, I agree 100% that guys like Mvila, Kunde, and Madi are way ahead of him. And Bukalakis, for that matter. I'm saying this kid deserves his shot. Did he not earn it over the summer? Were his performances this, this summer not great? We, play, we posted plenty of stats for him. And I want him to get some, at least some first-team experience. He barely got any last season, even at the end of the season. I want to see him just get more. Oh, this is a good question. From all red white. If Garbovnik ends up at center midfield, would you loan Sorlis? At the very least, B team. I want him playing. He needs to play against men. At the very least. And I would be open to that. Because if Garbovnik is in the in the midfield, then Sorlis is never seeing the field. It's plain and simple. Yeah. But didn't we also want to see Chumich uh, play based on his preseason? And now we're never going to hear of him again. He's off to Serbia. I don't, I don't know if you guys uh, talked that's about a, that. That's a whole different thing. And we're not, and the buyout 600 K for that too, a loan to red star with a 600 K buyout. What the hell happened with him? It's questionable. It's questionable. Oh, talking about transfers out. I, and I heard about the airport earlier from air, all red whites. Hassan could be leaving. Well, Play that music, know. DJ. Play that music. Ooh, oh, <laughs> good times rolling. It, it feels like a Friday <laughs> night. It feels good. <laughs> I hope it's true. But Hassan, thank you, you legend, for your service to the club. If it's true, you'll always be one of my favorites. When I called Kafu, the Brazilian Kafu, I meant it then. And for Hassan, I'll say the Egyptian Zlatan. You know what? Some questioned it. But it was true. At the end of the day, it was true. And so I'll give a longer, maybe a longer farewell to Hassan next episode if he leaves. But they were all right. He was a fantastic player. Just like Kafu. Just magical player. Anyway, that was it. I'd say that. There are also but someone hit, hit the music. Hit the music. Party. Good time rolling. <laughs> There are also reports suggesting that Adzelovic could be uh, on his way out on a loan deal. To oh, a that's team right. To we, more did. Games. we did forget that. Yes, another get one more, that Lapras. Yes. On, his, on his feet. I, I thought Lapras would love that. Yeah. Good. You know, some, some, Friday some night. people are saying that Lambro actually submitted an offer to Olympiakos to actually take Radeevic to his final destination. Personal taxi. Yeah. Personal Show taxi. for him out there. Road trip. Road trip. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I spoke down. Uh, I, I went down the street and I, I, I had his resume. I printed it up. I gathered it and I gave it to Servette FC. 
And they're like, God damn, this is a player. So look out, Servette FC here in Geneva. Maybe Grenoble. I dropped this. I, I slid it underneath management's door when I went to the game in France. Let them know. Lava. Second division. All you have to tell them is, look what he did to Krasnodar. <laughs> I know. I know. It works every time. <laughs> Thank you, Fethanos, for that. You uh... And Fethanos, I did see you with the Vinagre comment again. Don't think I, I missed that one. Always. Wait, so who else is going to go out? So did we do a list of that? I don't know. Did you guys do um, that? That we're, huh. I think, going to cover next week when the when Yeah, when it's done. Over. Fair enough. We'll do all the ins and outs, and we're going to be getting those voicemails as well. But uh, right. let's let's pivot real quick. I mean, we beat transfers literally for an hour now. Let's quickly go over our group, our Europa League groups. We've got Frankfurt, Fenerbahce, Antwerp. How are we feeling, boys? The the payouts have increased a little bit for Europa League, given the shuffling they did mm-hmm. from Champions League, Europa League, and Conference League. To this point, I think we're guaranteed about 10 million. It's like 10 and a half million euros for getting to this point. Every win in Europa League is another 630,000. Every draw is 215,000 euros. We get a bonus if we come in first of 1.1 million. And just making it to the round of 16 is another one and a half million. So there is some money to be made here. Not as much as Champions League, but there's some money here. So what are you guys thinking? How are we How are we finishing? First, second, third? Costa K, get started. I was actually thinking about this uh, quite a lot. I feel like this is the kind of group where anything can happen. Literally anything can happen. As for Olympiacos, uh, it's all going to depend on how they finish this transfer window. Olympiacos didn't start well in this transfer window, but if they ended well by, let's say, keeping Madi Camara and filling in, filling up those much-needed uh, fullback positions, they could even finish first in this group. But if they finish badly, Madi Camara leaves, the fullback position is not filled up, they could even finish last. That's my prediction. Go ahead, Lambro. You're ready. I see you. I see you smirking over there. Oh, my God. I I, I want to say my heart, like, we're going through. It's easy times. I'm going to be in the stadium when we go through against Antwerp. Isn't that right, Costa? We're getting ready for it. We're getting ready. We're going to be partying on the streets of Antwerp, speaking Dutch. And anyway, but I uh, don't kill me, but I think we're coming in third place. I just – the. T- how do you say like the stack, the table, the cards, the cards are stacked on the table. How do you even say that? Anyway, things are not good with the league. And I'm really scared that there's going to be a disaster that first game against Antwerp with no preparation. And I think that will do us in. Um, so so who, <sighs> who finishes ahead of us then? If you have us in third, who's finishing? Ahead I think, of us? I think Fenerbahce will finish second. And I think for, Oh, got it. But it's so tough because they're so mediocre. And Frankfurt, from what I've understand and what I've heard, is not very good as well this season. Kostic is leaving. I I don't know where they're going to get a lot of like goal production from without him. But they're so very good. But I just I don't know, guys. Like I I think the big thing is we haven't been talking. We have been talking about it, but like maybe it's not as clear of a point. There's just it feels like last summer. There's just no. As Costa likes to say, the gelling of the team. There's been nothing of that. So I'm worried. I'm very, very worried. So 
but yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't, I feel very pessimistic. I, I could see us finishing first, but I just have a bad feeling. I, I have a very bad feeling. This season has been very weird. Can we say that since the beginning? I just don't think it's going to go according to plan. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Costa C. I think synonomatos with the K hit the nail on the head. I think a lot depends on how we finish the transfer window. Oh, this is interesting. Eretrolevki Mastura says Eintracht just bought Hauger from Milan. It's an interesting signing. So he's a winger. We were looking at him, I think, as well at one point. Um, yeah, depending on how the window ends, guys, I think I think it's one of those where a serious Olympiacos can win this group. A serious Olympiacos with a team that's that is gelled, that has harmony, uh, we can win this group. But if we don't see improvement on what we've seen so far, then we could easily finish last as well. Um, I've heard, I, I mean, I've talked to Belgian friends about Antwerp. They're an attacking team. They drew 2-2 today against 10 men in, in the Belgian league. It's just one of those teams that you can't, uh, you can't underestimate anybody at this level. If we go into that first game against Antwerp with that atmosphere in Greece, you know, the atmosphere in Greece going into that first game against Antwerp is that we're going to win. Everyone's going to be like, we're going to win. That atmosphere is going to be passed on to the players. They're going to be, you know, confident going into the game where they might have a false sense of confidence. And that's what scares me going into the first game because we don't have matches at our feet. We're going to be going into that game on the 16th of September with one league game uh, and probably two, three days of training for the players coming back from international duty. So, and Martins is probably going to play a 4-3-3 at home. So I don't know. Um, also injuries from international break, always COVID, a factor, COVID cases from, and also, can I say this, Costa, you've been there, but, the atmosphere also inside the stadium has been, I don't, just not, like, it doesn't seem helpful, like, having the half-empty stadiums. It almost seems worse than an empty stadium for us. I don't know. Like, it just, it you're, feels you're just, just, just from on the TV, listening, watching the behind-the-scenes stuff, it just, it yeah, well, even weird. I mean, I, I was at the Ludogorets game, and I think that had the most, that had the biggest crowds so far out of the three games that we've played at home. Um, I think the atmosphere was good when the team in the first five minutes was pushing for the goal. It was it was loud and the, the, the fans got behind the team. And I would hope that for all of the games that we play at home, we need to have maximum capacity, be it 80, 85 percent, whatever. I think it's 85 percent is what UEFA said. We, we need to have that capacity and the fans need to get behind the team. Uh, yeah. And fans need to understand as well that none of these teams are are easy. But but I mean, look, Fenerbahce's star is, is Dimitris Pelgas. I don't know. Is Mesut Özil playing? Mesut Özil, yeah, it's Mesut Özil. Yeah, yeah, but he he wasn't in the lineup today. He wasn't even on their bench. Like I don't know what's happening with Özil. He's probably on holiday in Turkey and playing every now and again. Uh, and, and Eintracht, like we said, they lost the key, they they lost or are in the process of losing key players. Olibiakos is is 
we're our own worst enemy here, right? Our our objective as a team should be focus on us being the best we can possibly be, and we can beat these teams. Can do we have the time enough to gel and prepare? That's what worries me. The the thing for me is, um, I know Frankfurt lost their best player, but if you look at the build up that led to that goal, uh, the goal that um, their new signing Hog scored, incredible. I mean, fantastic possession build up going all the way back, back forward. It was a lovely goal, and that scares me, only because their their possession has been systematic and it's better. What I watched from that game, it was better than ours. Like they possess the ball better than we do currently. And we seem to have a little bit different problem. I was, I went back to some of the episodes we had during the champions league campaign last year. And the problems that we're complaining about now are different. It's like the opposite end of the spectrum than what we were complaining about last season. Cause so far, going into the t- this season and the concerns we have so far is last season it was the play was kind of stale. You know, we didn't have a lot of the overlapping wingbacks. We weren't too happy. We were possessing well. The effort was there. We were happy with how the players were doing on the pitch. We thought they were giving their effort. They looked like they had passion. It's just some of the play was stale. But we're flipped around here. And it's the play. It's not that the play is necessarily still the efforts, not on the pitch. And we're now concerned and doubting our players passion and how much they actually want to win these games. And that's really important because if we have guys on the field that aren't willing to give everything that aren't willing to fight for everything on the pitch, that's going to be our biggest thing. Like Costa said, we're our own worst enemy at that point. My biggest concern And my prediction for this is I think we're going to start slow because no games, Super League starting late. I think we may lose the first game, maybe the first two games. And I'm sorry to say that. That's that's You can't lose the first game if we qualify. That's it. Like you lose the first game home at Antwerp, you're not going through, I think. That's it. Well, I don't – I think we could end up coming out second in the group. But I think we lose that first game at the very least. I see that – the writing is on the wall for me. We're going to lose that and we're going to play catch up and we may finish the, we may finish it strong and that will see us maybe just barely get second place with a strong finish. Our guys finally get it together, but I really am believing because of the late start, because of the signings we're just bringing in some of the players that haven't yet gelled with the team. That's just the, the context I see us finishing in. Second place, losing the first game. Also, can I make one quick point? The club, unfortunately, didn't do it um, for Vladimir Weiss, but I think Bjorn Engels deserves a, a nice ceremony. And a lot, I, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I just had to say. Just, I'm sorry. Whatever you're, whatever you're drinking tonight, stop. stop. <laughs> a lap of honor, maybe like an ole, Bjorn, ole. Anyway. There's there's a really good question here from Olympiagos Worldwide. Do you know if you have already talked? I don't know if you've already talked about this. He says, would you guys prefer a third place finish in the group than a second place finish, which means a tough matchup against a Champions League 
third placed team. Um, I think this hits on a question that we asked on Twitter a few weeks ago, which is how do you define our European objectives? The club's motto under Marinakis is we keep on dreaming, but what's the dream? And what's the dream and what's reality? What can we realistically achieve as a club? Because Champions League is important for financial sustainability in keeping the books afloat, having money in the coffers. I don't think that we can compete at that Champions League level anymore. I don't want to go to Champions League and get battered every game. Our level is this. It's Europa League, if not conference, because our ranking as a country is pathetic. It's conference level. And people need to start understanding that. And this whole conversation about what our European objectives should be, this is a big conversation that we all need to have Ljubljana's community, in my opinion. But we're not going to have that now. Um, the answer to this question for me, I think we should be winning the group. I'm just gonna, yes. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make a very quick comment on that. Olympiakos' level is indeed Europa League level, as you said. Costa Champions League has picked up big time. I just don't see Olympiakos competing seriously in this competition for a while. But Olympiakos are definitely not a conference team, definitely not. And if they end up, if they allow themselves to become a conference team, they could end up becoming something even less than that, in my opinion. Yeah, I think. No, go- you hit the yeah. nail on the head. That's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. The budget's too big for conference team one. Look at the conference teams outside of the big league teams that dropped in. Like, <laughs> no, but but like you look at those big teams, Roma, Tottenham, maybe there's a team from Spain. I don't remember. But then you just Gibraltar, Estonia. Like the budget of our team is so big right now. I don't think people like understand that. It's Champions League near... Like, is our budget bigger than Sheriff Tiraspol? Is it bigger than Malmo? I would probably say yes. Like, I would go through some pot four and pot three teams, and I would say our budget is around there for Champions League teams. So I think we are close to being a pot four Champions League team and a higher-end Europa League team. I think that's our level. I think it's pretty clear at this moment, if that's right. I don't know if it's that high because remember when we went through the so. budgets last year, Marseille was over double our budget. And that was Marseille, and they were the pot fourteen. Even Frankfurt, yeah. I I I wouldn't be surprised but if yeah. Frankfurt has a bigger budget, a bigger salary, bigger. Budget. When I say higher end, I mean like getting to the round of 16, 32. I mean like or thirty two is the group stage right now in the Europa League. Well, no, there is no more. It's sixteen. They cut that. Remember, there's less teams. I. I, I can't even anyway <laughs> anyway i i just um i think we're a team that can push in the europa league and if things like if if the dice go the right way like we saw with the wolves year we can push on and make a deep run into the competition i think that's our level but as a club we should be still looking for the champions league money because you need that money it's bad in my opinion so actually, the only team we have a bigger wage bill than right now is Antwerp in our group. Fenerbahce has a bigger wage bill than we yeah. do, and Frankfurt is about ten million over ours. Yeah, their market it makes sense. value, their, uh, Frankfurt market value is two hundred twenty-three million, and ours is one hundred twenty-two. Yeah, I would assume Mesut Ozil has like 
a wage budget of El Arabi plus like Semedo. Like, how much is he earning? Yeah. Probably maybe more than that. To be honest with you, he must be like, getting like four or five million a year. He must be getting big money. He, he's got to be on at least like 150 grand a week. Wasn't he on 300 grand a week at Arsenal? Like, yeah. that's big money. Yeah. Anyway, he's on really big money. But anyway, I, I just would prefer us to qualify at least. Look, if this club with the talent that it has can get together and play how we know we, they can play. Oh, that's the first thing. place. First place is the is yeah. what I want for them and I think can happen. But yeah. if this league doesn't start, we don't get games under our belt. We don't get any kind of cohesion. It's third place. That's yeah. that's that's the situation here. I think that's it a really frustrating is. situation, isn't it? Like we're like, wow, this is quite a good team. You know, last year's team, we were like, mm, not great. Fullback sucked. But like this year, we're looking and we've made some really good signings. There's like one or two more positions, and you know, it just clicks. But it's I think that's the most frustrating thing. And it's almost like the mentality for certain players isn't there. And it's just like if this team formed a strong mentality, put it all together. I think this could be like another magical run team. I know that's a bit of a hot take right now since we haven't seen a lot of games, but I think the talent is there. I just, I just want to see them put it together. And that's why this league not starting. Oh, it's so painful. It's so painful. I keep going back to that, but it's painful. I believe that if Olympiakos' first three signings were two fullbacks and a a winger, either on Yakuru or Ronnie Lopez, I believe Olympiakos could have probably been in the Champions League now. That's my opinion. I, I think that's more solid. on that. I'm still, even though it looks like Onyekuru, his some of his favorite pelatas are Fenerbahce. Uh, when you go through and look at what he's that done is in true. the past, yeah. And so, on that, the five million we spent on Onyekuru, and there were a lot of questions asked about them. I know you guys talked about it in the last pod. Is, is that the winger that's going to take us, that's going to get us? glory in champions league i'm not commenting on it i'm not commenting yeah exactly and also the pitch was so garbage well and that's also true the pitch the pitch was garbage did you see some of the touches that ronnie lopez had he was like just losing his footing and the ball was moving away from him yeah a lot of it was the pitch to be honest a lot of it was the pitch some of it that's fair that's fair but But i look preparing them for la mia away those cold nights at la mia if we, can, if we can get some assimilation with just whoever's going to end up being the new fullbacks, or at least the new fullback on the right side, and maybe that maybe another maybe the winger, whoever it is that's going to be there, and if we can find out who this ten is going to be, somebody not named Valbuena who's going to be run into the ground and get hurt eventually and out for a month. If we can figure that out, then the sky's the limit. But we have a dangerous, there's a dangerous problem with this team. And that's who is going to be our 10? Who is going to be the engine of this offense? Because it can't be Valbuena. And God forbid Madi leaves. Who the hell is it going to be? Without a creative midfielder, you rely heavily on your overlapping wingbacks and your wingers, whether they're inside or not. And we don't have either, well, depending on how Roni Lopez turns out, we don't have either uh, inside wingers that can make a lot happen. We don't have the ones that go to the byline. And we also have two fullbacks, one with great energy that can't cross for shit, and the other one that can cross for shit, but has the energy level of 
uh, dilapidated squirrel. And that's a problem. So that has to change. Just, oh, we're not getting anywhere. I'm just going to say Algasin Ba. That's a name. I'm just putting <laughs> names out there. Dimitri Spinakas. That's a name right there. I just, that was random. That's a name. Anyway, <laughs> I won't say anything more. Those are names. Hassan, that's also a name. Anyway, I'll stop it out. I'll stop that. Those are all names all right, that could play the 10. All right, boys, we're coming up. It's hour, almost an hour and a half in. This is one of our longer ones. Uh, friendly coming up this Friday with Adis. At least the boys get to have a run in. Uh, before we before we close this thing up, any final thoughts? Costa, Costa Square, do you guys got anything? Lambro, any last minute things before we close it up here? Um, national team is coming to Switzerland this week, unfortunately. I don't know if I'm going to go. I'm not wasting my money. I've decided I'm not going unless there's like crowdfunding and people pay me to go. That's it. <laughs> don't forget also, Peter uh, Peter and I will be covering, uh, doing a brief preview tomorrow. It'll be earlier than usual for the national team. Uh, so that'll be about 6 a.m. Eastern. Uh, it'll be 12, 12 p.m. I think central. That's right. Six, six hours ahead. I think yeah. so, yeah. So one 1300 Greek time. So we'll be doing a brief preview there, uh, just going over, discussing that. We're not going to go too much into it because Lord knows whatever we see in the friendly is not what we're going to see for the qualifiers. So that being said, Costa, Costa K, thank can you I so just, much for joining us. Oh, yes, say, Costa, please. Let me just say my piece because um, for those of you that know me, I'm a big national team fan. I've been to Brazil. I've been to Portugal. I've followed the team around the world pretty much, but I just can't. I just can't with this team. I cannot I cannot bring myself to watch them for the way that the team is run and then what I'm seeing on the pitch. It just doesn't make any sense. And I'm going to say this once, and I'm never going to talk about the national team on this podcast ever again until things fix up. The team is run by agents and managers, and JVS has no control. He gets the paper, he reads the names, and then he tells the players. Okay, finish. I love the national team. I love Greece, but I don't love what's going on in EPO and what is going on in the national team, what's going on in Greek football. I won't be talking about national team stuff anymore. Having said that, there will be a giveaway on our Instagram in the coming week, and it is national team related. So you have something to look forward to. I end on a positive note. Listen, I will say this once as well. Once and for all, I, I've been thinking about it a lot. And yes, JVS is the second coming of Johan Cruyff. I just, the tactics are so good. The management, the player call-ups, the 4-2-3-1. Baka set us at a 10. It's just revolutionary and it's just magical. I just, I don't want to repeat myself again. It's the last time I'll say it just to echo Costa's thoughts about John Van <laughs> Have, have a good night, everyone, from my side. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> on that note thank you everybody for listening especially if you made it this far again for those of you that maybe haven't lost complete hope we will be previewing the ethnic e peter and i a non-greek a non-greek is going to be previewing the ethnic e before two greeks will that just <laughs> dawned on me but thank you guys for listening don't forget to subscribe like comment on, on our channels, get your friends to jump in. We have a lot of non-Greeks that are getting into Olibiakos, that are joining in on this conversation, becoming a part of the community. Let's continue to grow that. So much more to come. Root for Olibiakos. Hopefully we get some big things from the national team this week. Take care, everybody. This is the Gate 7 International Podcast. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olibiakos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olibiakos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you will never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Thrilos, he said. Sto mialo kati magiko.